reading from the Gospel of Matthew. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for sure was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word of God for the world. Apparently, according to this text, we make the whole Christian journey a little harder than it seems, which is good news in the season of Lent. I love that song, all we need to come is with our need of him. If we we wait till we're better, we'll never come at all. Thanks be to God. Jesus, in this passage, exalts children saying that they are the ones in which hidden things are revealed, not the so-called wise and learned. Which category do you find yourselves in today? We began this first Sunday of Lent talking about Adam and Eve in the garden, and what we named the sin of was really that they didn't feel that God was enough, that they pursued knowledge over relationship, and that they pushed beyond the limitedness that they were given, that we're all given in our finitude. In a different way, today's passage is similar. Jesus said he has hidden things from the wise and learned which he's most likely in this passage talking about the scribes and the Pharisees who were very certain of their knowledge. They had worked a long time and knew law well. Like us, Eve and Adam, we still want to push boundaries and use knowledge like a currency. You know, where it's knowledge that can buy us power and prestige. Jesus is saying, your pursuit of knowledge will only go so far, for I have hidden certain things with children. In fact, he uses the words infants, these small, small children. This is how I think it works. And I didn't learn this in seminary. This is my, um, this comes from being a mother and a pastor. I believe that infants come from the divine. The moment they arrive, you can see the print of God. Unfortunately, the rest of their lives, that print is stamped out. They begin from a place of trust of others, 
not in a place of suspicion. I see this in Sophia, I talked about this at Free For All. In any public place we're going to, most like the grocery store, we'll go into Ingalls and put her in the little cart, which is great because she sits there on the top of it. And she thinks it's just a wild, fun time to, to say hi to everybody. Like, I guess we're rolling around, rocking around just to greet all these people that are here, probably to see me, right? And so she says hi, and she waves and brings people sort of out. Um, but my favorite is, I love this about children, is that they somehow think that everyone that they encounter is a part of their world. Like Sophia at a restaurant, I was embarrassed, you know, because that's what we adults do, is we get embarrassed of our children. So she comes and she taps somebody on his shoulder at a restaurant and says, and she doesn't speak so much, but she gave him his, her straw as if this total stranger would want her straw. It's as if she thinks, you're in my little life and you're part of my world. And so she does this and she reaches out and she does these things that most of us have socially learned that aren't acceptable. And people have personal space, don't you know? <laughs> I believe children have this sixth sense, this ability to be receptive and open to God because they have little blocking what comes in. They receive at all ends of their being. They're just this amazing receptor. And here's the difference with adults. Well, first of all, we don't receive well. And we filter everything, right? Through every receptor that we have, we filter, filter, filter. And for some, we've become hardened over time. And it's not to say that we haven't learned a thing or two, right? We're good judges. But the problem is we've overlearned and overfiltered almost to the point that we've extinguished this receptive spirit inside of us. It's sort of like a dam that's built. You know, it's a good idea to have a dam, right? And we build them for the emergency situation when a flood is coming. But for some, the dam happens where it gets locked into place and doesn't allow any water to flow whatsoever. I think adults try to figure out God like if God was a puzzle. And we start usually from a place of disbelief. We don't receive God as an experience, but rather a process to deconstruct. Frank Stagg, in his commentary on Matthew, says this, God comes to us not as a proposition to debate, but as a person to trust, to know, and love. See, we, we get stuck in this intellectual game and even admire those experts, those experts who know about God. As Philip said at Free For All, we give power and position to adults. These are the ones who know something, so they're the ones that give power and position. It's interesting that rarely do we give power and position to children who all they can say for themselves is, well, I had this experience. Never was this more clear. I think even in church governance, you know, we rarely give children um, 
position or power. And yet, we were all stunned even a couple years ago when Miriam shared about her experience in Cuba. How much more powerful that that came from that place of experience. This is where children school us. They're not interested in debating knowledge. All they know, again, these little infants, these little, little children, all they know is how to relate to a person. When Sophie was an infant, she didn't ask me if I was a good parent. She should have. <laughs> she should have asked if I knew what I was doing. She didn't even ask if she could have a list of my credentials to verify I would take care of her needs. She just gave herself over to me. The only thing she knew to do. This is the model that God calls for us. This intimate trust. Children really do have a way of teaching us the gospel, the good news. Recently, I read Baptist, and women, uh, Baptist women in Ministry have a monthly blog and also a separate devotional that's sent out. And I was drawn to this one because it was written by a friend of mine. And she says this, and I was totally taken with it. She talked about in seminary, she served at Big Bethel AME Church in Atlanta. And along, she says, with jumping headfirst into new traditions, she got to know some of the beautiful, beautiful people of this historic church. She said one of her new friends was Joshua. And I'm going to read what she wrote. Joshua was an energetic five-year-old boy, five-year-old, who never stopped asking questions. His mom, Angela, and his two brothers were at church whenever the doors were open. During Lent, I attended the Ash Wednesday service, ready to help the ministry staff in whatever way I was needed. It turned out that the place I was needed most was right in the pews. The practice of Big Bethel Church was to invite people to come forward to receive ashes. Then anyone wanting a time of personal prayer could remain at the front, praying at the long kneeling bench. Angela took her three boys to receive ashes and then turned on the mom voice to give them direct instructions. Go with your oldest brother and sit down quietly. Angela needed a minute at the altar. Two of the three brothers did exactly as they were told. But my buddy Joshua began to dance his way up the aisle, high-fiving everyone he saw. And with my best teacher voice, I waved him over and he plopped down next to me. He wanted to chat. Why can't I dance? I assured him we could after the service. What's that stuff they put on your face? And on our, I mean, what's that stuff they put on our faces? I told him it was a mark of ashes so we could remember that God made us and that Jesus loves us. He seemed okay with that answer until he looked around the room and then looked back at my forehead. But you don't have one on your face, he said. I explained that I was waiting my turn to go up front. Concerned about my lack of ashes, he reached up and touched the cross on his own forehead. He rubbed the ashes from his skin and then took my face in his hands 
He reached out, made the sign of the cross on my forehead, and said, you can have some of my cross. I was silenced and moved when I read this. How do children know things that we don't? It's this different type of knowledge. An adult would have never done what Joshua did. Cultural, societal, and religious norms say one cross for each person. (laughs) And if you didn't get something, you don't give them part of yours, you tell them where they can get their own, right? But Joshua wasn't like that. He didn't care or probably didn't know that it was socially unacceptable to do what he did. He didn't want anyone to be left out. He was willing to share what he had. He didn't have a strong sense of private property. This cross is just for me. He knew what nobody else knew. The power of sharing that cross. Here's where I see the gospel explode today and move us in a different direction. It's not that children get it and we don't. Not just that. It's that these children are teaching us and we are supposed to listen. And in this story of Joshua, he teaches us a side of the gospel that maybe we have never thought about. The simplicity and beauty of this story is that he saw a need and simply shared what he had, which was an ashy cross on his forehead. He was teaching us something beyond his years, and this is it. Our gift can simply be sharing what we have, even if what we have is the cross we carry. This is good news. It's good news because it's our story. In fact, my story, when I was in seminary, it was this point that knocked me over. It was this story that changed my direction. See, I was stuck. I knew that God had called us to live missionally, meaning to give of ourselves, to help others, But my problem was, I didn't feel like I had anything to offer. I mean, I had, why? Because I had grown up with the understanding that good Christians, and I'm in this fullness of heart, that good Christians were overflowing with joy and peace and patience. And I didn't have those qualities and hefty supply. I could easily see, of course, how these good Christians could bring light to the world. They could share their joy. They could share their peace and patience. But me, I had spent the last eight years with depression and anxiety and in many hours of therapy. And I thought, I'm just broken, full of doubt, riddled with fear. How can I bring light into the world? That's when the breakthrough happened. And I heard Joshua's words. Give them some of your cross. 
This is why I share this story, not because it's mine, but because it's all of yours. And as I hear our collective story shared, I hear people carrying some heavy, heavy burdens. And we can't carry them alone. The gift I heard that day was that your gift is your brokenness. And today I want you to hear clearly that your gift is your brokenness, your journey, your divorce, your wilderness wandering, your painful struggle with addiction, your alienation from your family, your messed up childhood, This is where your gift lies. In the middle of the ash, in the heaping rubble, in the crosses of our lives, that's where our greatest gifts are found. Jesus says it better than that, though. He says, step into this yoke with me. Bring me your chaos, your mess, your dirty diapers, your hidden secrets, your shame." your relationships turn sour, your heavy ladenness, your burden. This is the gift you bring to the world. And if you're willing to share it, I will share it with you. The problem is when we become adults, we stop being honest with one another. We think we have to get all dressed up for God and one another. We've stopped believing that we... With all our mud-stained hands, our bubblegummed hair, and our dirty clothes are a gift. It's like when I told my friend one time, I was struggling. It was after a worship, early on a worship service, and, you know, I, I had this great envision. I don't even remember what it was, but and I was like, ah, oh, I just didn't go the way I planned or hoped or whatever. And maybe I felt like the sermon was flat, whatever. These are my issues. But I remember just this profound wisdom that she said. She says, you know how children will come up to you and give you their torn up sticker stuck to a hairball and think they've given you the greatest prize in the world? She says, that's what we're we're all doing when we give ourselves honestly and openly to God. We become like children giving all of who we are, our foibles and failures, and saying, here, God, this is all of me. But I trust you, and I know you're going to love me and take care of me, because you're God. So wherever you are on this wilderness journey, maybe you're covered in mud or stuck with shame or heavy laden with heartbreak, burdened by pressures and expectations, Hear Jesus say again, come to me, bring your brokenness, bring your stuff, bring your hidden skeletons in the closet, bring your baggages that are way over 50 pounds and cost more than $25 to carry, and let me carry the weight for free. That's the good news. That's the gospel. It's free. But we have to trust like a child. You know, really young children, the really young ones, they don't stay in bed long. They don't wake up 
lying on their bed thinking about their worries, their Google Calendar. If they have a problem, they immediately share it. <laughs> and that's how they can run around living the secret. Living the secret that's been hidden with them. They can run around. I'm special. I'm loved. Life is full. I'm taken care of. So, here are these words said best by our Lord, the suffering servant, the one who stepped into the yoke on the cross and said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is good. And my burden is light. Is this good news? Mm -hmm. Amen.